As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Welcome back to the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast with My Essential Birth. I am your host, Stephanie. You guys, it has been a whirlwind of a couple of these last weeks. So if you've been paying attention at all on Instagram, uh, and honestly, I have not been checking in there a lot, but if you've been paying attention at all, we just moved our entire family across the country from Utah to Florida. I must say, we feel like we have arrived. This is our kind of climate, our kind of people. I can't wait to get to the beach. We haven't done that yet, but we are renting a home while we hope to be able to buy land eventually and build on it. This is a future date excitement of ours. It is nothing official yet, but these are our dreams and our hopes and and what we can do anyways. These last couple weeks have just been nuts. And so as some of you might even be hearing in this podcast episode at this time, I'm in my new bedroom. Uh, There's no furniture in it, so there might be a little bit of an echo. And my cat, which is stuck in the bathroom because you need to like, anyways, get them in a place where they don't run away once you let them out so that they know this is their home. She's meowing. So there's going to be kids in the background of this episode. There's going to be animals in the background of this episode. Uh, but I am still here to give you all the very best birthing information. So I'm really excited for this topic. I think this actually kind of came from a question that we had within the Facebook group. And so if you are listening, dear student, I will not say your name, but if you are listening, it was prompted by a question of like, how do I know if it's my mucus plug or my water or like if I peed myself, basically, like what is going on with my body? 
So let me dive in with the reviewer of the week first, and then I'm going to give you the intro to this episode, and hopefully I'm going to answer a ton of your questions here. So first things first, our reviewer of the week is Sarah Travail, and she says, a must-listen-to podcast. I started listening to this podcast when I was eight weeks pregnant. I am now 34 weeks, and it has been my saving grace. The knowledge I have gained from listening has been invaluable. I feel beyond ready for birth, even though it's our first baby and things might not go as planned. This podcast helped me prepare for the unplanned. My family has been skeptical whenever I mention birthing unmedicated, so having a birthing community such as this one has lifted my spirits. I cannot thank you enough. Girl, you and I both. I don't know about you guys, but if you don't have people who have birthed either unmedicated or chose to do a home birth or did something off the grid of the normal for the majority of people... I don't know what it is, man. They come out of the woodwork and they're like, uh, why would you do that? What are you doing? Is that safe? You know, you're going to harm you and your baby, all the things. So I'm so excited you found a community where like this is the norm. That's what I did myself, even just finding other natural birthing people. It's huge because otherwise all you're hearing is the regular things, the normal things of everyday experiences. And that doesn't mean that they're bad, but they don't have all the information from how beautiful and all the other options that you might have out there. So I love that you're here. You're listening along. Um, For those of you that might be new to the podcast, medicated or unmedicated, I'm going to give you both sides and exactly how to get the birth that you're looking for. My big thing is that you have a choice and a say in the situation. So anything that you hear on this podcast, including what we're talking about today, is so that you have informed information and can make informed decisions for your pregnancy and birth. So this episode I'm really excited about, um, and I think it kind of reminded me of, because we have a lot of questions when we come up to pregnancy or to birth, and I think it reminded me of the questions that I know myself, and it didn't matter how many times I was trying to get pregnant, but you know when you're coming up to like, am I pregnant? And you start Googling all the things. You Google like a thousand things, and you're like, first signs of pregnancy, you know, how do I know I'm pregnant? Is sleeplessness a sign of pregnancy? How many days past ovulation can I test positive? You know, and then we take 10 pregnancy tests and all the things. And the telltale sign obviously is a missed period and a positive pregnancy test, but you can't help it. As you get closer, you're curious and you're like, wait, could this be a sign of it? Wait, could this be, oh, my, my heightened senses, my smell, my taste. I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. Well, Newsflash and good news, that same thing happens when you're coming up to labor, and I have some answers for you today. But let me tell you, or let me, maybe if you've had a baby before, maybe these are some of your common questions, or maybe you're coming up to that guest date and you've had some of these questions. So it's really common when you get close to birth to be curious about things like, did my water break or did I just pee myself? That's a very common question. Is that my mucus plug Or do I need to head straight to the hospital? Was that a Braxton Hicks or a real contraction? And is this prodromal labor or is it the real thing? Now, I'm sure there's a ton more questions, just like when you're coming up to pregnancy, that you will Google. But I want to touch on these because these are not only very common, but some of them may or may not be telltale signs or give you an idea of what a telltale sign would be for when it is labor time. So I'm going to answer all these today. Uh, I'll tell you too that labor is exciting. I think after all the hard work of nourishing yourself and learning and you're growing this baby, the signs of labor means that it's actually time to meet that little human being. 
And I don't know about you, but that is my absolute favorite part, obviously. Uh, Not just the meeting, but the work of labor. I absolutely love, love, love labor and being in labor. Now, I know that sounds a little crazy. And of course, there are parts of that labor experience that I don't ever feel like I ever want to do again. And then you do it again and again and again. Um, There's challenges that come along with it. But it's also beautiful and growing and stretching and all the things. Um, But anyways, naturally, you're going to have some questions as you come up to those latter part of your pregnancy. And so hopefully, I can help you answer some of these. And this will be an episode that you can come back to as you approach that guest date. So let's jump into those questions. Number one, did my water just break or did I pee myself? Uh, Like I said, it's a very common question. Don't feel like you're crazy or stupid or anything else for asking it. It's There's a lot going on down there. So later in our pregnancy, we naturally are going to produce more fluid. If you're like me, you do it early on all the way to the end. And I found myself wearing one of those kind of the always once daily pads I think now if I were to do it, I might choose not to use that. I'd use like a fabric pad, something that's cotton, um, a little more gentle down there. But whatever you choose to use, it's really common to have a little extra leakage um, and especially like not thick, really watery kind of cloudy fluid is really common. You just make more fluid down there. So yay, right? That's really normal. Um, And then we've got the like, but I when I sneeze and I cough and I whatever, now I've got some extra leakage from the urine. So we've got extra fluid down there. And then two, if you are drinking enough water, if you're drinking a lot of water during a pregnancy, which you should be and most moms do, then your urine and that amniotic fluid can both be more clear and odorless. So that doesn't help in trying to determine, is this my water or did I just use the restroom? So here's some questions to ask yourself that I thought would be helpful when you're trying to determine these things. Number one, is it a lot of fluid or just a trickle? If it's a lot of fluid, did it happen when you went to the bathroom? So were you already on the toilet? Were you emptying your bladder and then you think you felt something? Did it happen after? Number three, did you hear or feel, or both together, a loud pop followed by a sudden gush of fluid? As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. If it's just a trickle, you can put on a pad and then I want you to ask yourself, does it slowly continue to fill the pad over time? So even if you're wondering if it's urine or if it's that. I mean, most of us don't have the incontinence to a point where it's a constant trickle. And some some will, and then that's a separate question. But if that's not you, if you have control over that bladder consistently, then 
putting a pad down there and seeing if it gets fuller and fuller over time will give you an idea too, even if it's just a trickle. And then did contractions begin after you experienced the fluid leakage? Because that might be more on the side of telltale things that tell you you are actually having contractions. Uh, And I will give you a couple examples in just a second. But here is the when to call your provider or when to head into your birthplace. So, and this is gonna, this will follow throughout the episode. I'm not gonna continue to repeat these. So if you need to, come back to this part of the episode and remind yourself. I think a lot of it is going to be a little common sense. You can always, always call your provider with any question, even if you're not sure, especially if you're not sure. Make sure that you have a provider you can reach out to or even labor and delivery, should you be choosing to give birth in a hospital, a midwife, their assistant. You can always reach out for questions. So don't ever think this is a stupid, dumb, whatever question reach out to them. But if it's something other than liquid that is clear and odorless coming from the vagina, and I don't mean the mucus plug, which I'll get to in a minute, that would be a time to contact your provider and or head into your your birthplace. If it is green, yellow, sludgy leakage, that's definitely a time to head into your birthplace. Any foul smelling fluids, so remember we're talking clear and odorless are like the ideas behind good fluid leakage from amniotic fluid. So if it's any foul smelling, any different than like a salt water smell, that's something to head in. Any trickle of blood. And I'll talk about blood-tinged mucus in just a moment, but if there is a trickle of blood or blood clots or any kind of vaginal bleeding, bright red blood, dark red blood, you head into your birthplace immediately. And then anything protruding from the vagina. Now, I guess... Obviously, this would be the more common sense of things, but after you think your water is broken or if you have no idea if your water is broken and you have a hand or a foot or an umbilical cord coming out from downstairs, head into your birthplace. Hopefully that's obvious. If it's an umbilical cord, you want to lean back, get off, get like make sure you're not in like a squatted or an upright position. You want to give that umbilical cord the place that it needs to be able to bring fluid and oxygen and blood and all those things. So now that we've covered those things. I am going to share two stories really quick that are my own, and this is involving um, leakage. So first baby, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had woken up. It was more than usual. It was three days before my due date. or Actually, I think it was five days before my due date. Anyways, and I had to use the restroom, and I kept having to use the restroom. And I'm like, geez, I have to go to the bathroom so much right now. And every time I would sit up in the bed, I would feel like a little trickle and I thought, oh my gosh, like I am peeing myself possibly. And so, but I had to go to the bathroom each time too. So I'm like, wow, this baby's really on my bladder tonight. I don't know what the deal is. Wear a pad, change the pad. Not a big deal. Well, after like the sixth time, my husband said, have you felt your stomach at all? And reaches over and grabbed my stomach and it was super hard. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't. But I feel like it gets hard and then I feel that little trickle and then I have to pee. And so that was my story with my first baby. Now, what happened with me was it was a very little trickle. It's likely that it was higher up on my um, for, on my amniotic sac. So it wasn't super down low. So that trickle didn't turn into a burst or anything like that. And so I kept having these like up and down interactions. 
And then when I called the hospital, because I was giving birth at a hospital with my first baby, they said, oh, yes, you need to come in. We'll test the amniotic fluid and see if it is true amniotic fluid or not. But I also knew once I went into the hospital, I was going to have to stay. So I delayed a little bit because I wasn't having – they asked me to time contractions. They were like 10 minutes apart if I was sitting down and really focused on feeling my stomach. I was like, yeah, they're like 10 minutes apart. But I wasn't feeling like anything. So I'm like – I'm going to shave my legs. That is my big plan right now. I'm going to paint my toenails. I'm going to tell my husband so that he can come home from work, whatever, whatever. And um, anyways, so there was there was that whole thing. And then I went in and sure enough, after a couple hours, they were like, you know, what took you so long to come in? And I explained that I had to get ready for the day. Um, but once I was there and they tested it and said, oh, it is amniotic fluid, then of course I had to stay. And um, that's what started my whole interaction with the providers and hospital and everything to that led to my personal cesarean birth. So uh, had I known better and done things a little different, um, if I had been educated and I knew my options later on for myself, I would have chosen to stay at home. I would have gone to Target. I would have put a pad on. I would have gone out to eat. I would have gone about my day normally. I was not having any contractions that were even remotely catching my attention. So there was definitely some time to go. And that's really exactly what happened in the birth space. Um, and it, with the not knowing which kind of freedom of movements I needed and such, it just kind of cascaded from there. So that is my story with my first baby. Now, with my third baby, second baby, I don't remember having any trickling. I don't remember when my water broke. Maybe they broke. I really don't remember. But with my third baby, and this is my baby that I had at home. So I had a midwife. I had a doula. I was past my due date. And I went to the bathroom and I urinated. No big deal. But when I went to reach back to wipe, so I went to turn around my body to wipe after I went to the bathroom, um, I had this big, this big like gush of water. And I was like, wait, I'm like, was that, what was that? And so of course I text my doula and I'm like, hey, I actually don't know if this was my water at all. I didn't hear a pop. There wasn't this like big old gush of things. But when I twisted for sure, there was a ton of water that just came out. And I'm like, so just a heads up, that might've been my water. Kind of same text to my midwife. Turns out it was not my water. That baby was born in the call. <laughs> so my best guess is I finished peeing and squeezed and pushed my body and and stomach and baby into my bladder in a way that just squirted out the rest. So anyways, those are my awkward, funny, whatever stories. But as a doula, I've definitely been there when mom is in labor and you hear this audible pop. Mom feels it. There's a gush everywhere. Like you're all gonna go home and wash all your clothing and shoes like there's definitely that kind of whatever the trickle is really common too though um and not understanding if it's urine or a trickle is also common so all of that to say as long as you don't have any of those emergent things and you've had that conversation with your provider about when you're gonna come in if your water does break before the onset of contractions or if it breaks and you have contractions about laboring at home then it is okay to stay at home and do your thing Number two, is that my mucus plug or do I need to head straight to the hospital? This is one of those things. Let me let me tell you a little bit about the mucus plug. So your mucus plug is you lose it because your cervix is dilating. 
So the mucus plug is just what it sounds like. It's this protection. It's a mucus protection that covers the opening of the cervix. So your cervix can't be completely tightly all the way closed up. Um, There's always going to be just a little bit of opening. And so that mucus area just seals the rest in there. It protects from infection and and all other things that can, um, you know, kind of cross that barrier back and forth. It protects you and it protects your baby. So it's really, really excellent. Now, due to dilation, there can be little capillaries that break or burst um, in the cervix that, and obviously some of that can cause a little bit of blood. And so oftentimes what happens, it's very common that when a mom finds her mucus plug, um, and probably the most common time to find it is they go to the restroom and it's either in the toilet, like they hear this like plop and there's something in the toilet, or you go to wipe and it's kind of this like mucusy or like think of snot, but like a big glob of it. You're so welcome, you guys, for listening to this. I hope nobody's in their first trimester right now. <laughs> but uh, And you wipe, and it's kind of this like blood-tinged, goopy thing. And it's like, ooh, is this safe? Is this okay? Yes, it is. It's totally normal. So when you see that blood-tinged, not trickle of blood, but blood-tinged, um, kind of slimy, gooey mucus, that is because those little capillaries have popped and dilation is occurring. So that's exciting. Your body is doing exactly what it needs to do. It can also be a little bit of a pale yellow. It can have a really slight um, like green tinge that's totally normal. And like I said, it can be blood tinged as well. So I think the thing that comes along with this is the big question of, I lost my mucus plug. Am I going into labor? And that's a really common question, totally normal. And it is exciting because that means your cervix is dilating. So maybe something else is happening. But I will tell you right now that losing your mucus plug is not a telltale sign of labor. In fact, you can lose it weeks before you give birth and it can actually regenerate, which I think is pretty incredible of our bodies to be able to do that. You can lose it days before the onset of labor. You can lose it right before or as contractions begin. And you can also lose it later into labor and never even know it. So it's just one of those things. It just means you're getting closer to the birth time, but it is not a telltale sign that this is the actual thing that is happening. And I will tell you with my first baby, this was exactly my experience as well. Um, at that same, after that same night of like up and back and, and is this a trickle or am I peeing myself? I also that morning used the restroom and went to wipe and there was like this big glob of mucus. And I was like, oh my goodness. I like my husband had just left, literally walked out the door as I was using the restroom to go to work. And I ran out to the door, pants down. And I was like, Michael, come back. (laughs) Something's happening. And I didn't know any better. Maybe they talked about this in the hospital birth classes. I certainly didn't remember, but I was like, I think something's happening. I might go into labor. And truly between the two, like there's this trickle of water and there's a mucus plug happening. My body was doing things. How soon were those contractions going to be in? I don't know because it took all day of me getting ready and they still weren't there. But mucus plug is a really common thing to lose. I don't remember truly with my next two if I saw it at all. Um, But anyways, just know it's very, very normal. Losing a mucus plug does not mean that your water has broken or that it will break anytime soon. It is simply um, a protection for the opening of the cervix. So there you go. And then kind of the like, when do I call my provider? It's all those same things listed above. So the trickle of blood and all the other information that I gave you at the beginning. Number three, was that Braxton Hicks or are these real contractions? This is another one that's really common. And I'm going to go into the prodromal labor in just a minute because those things all get mixed and meshed together when we're wondering 
what kind of contractions we're experiencing. So Braxton Hicks contractions are practice contractions that moms generally begin to feel probably during their second or third trimester. First time moms, you might not feel them at all or know what you're feeling. Um, And if you do, it might be really close to the actual birth date, which is why this gets confused with are these real contractions. Uh, I know that was the case for me. And then with my second and third babies, I felt them earlier and earlier. And I knew I was having Braxton Hicks just the whole pregnancy. Um, But they don't hurt. They're a tightening of the abdominal area. They're a tightening of the uterus. It's like I said, those practice contractions. And so you feel this tightening. For me, sometimes they would even take my breath away where I'm like, oof, I can tell like I can't breathe as well for a moment. Take a couple of breaths and it goes away. But there's no pain involved, uh, discomfort, irritation, anything like that. Um, it's really common that they happen during some kind of activity. So if you're walking around a grocery store or going on a walk with your birth partner, if you are having intercourse, um, if you're vacuuming, that's when mine would come on a ton anytime I vacuumed. I mean, but that's at the same time, they can come on when you are relaxed in the bath or you're watching TV. So it's really common for them to come on when you are doing some kind of active activity, uh, but it is not uncommon for them to come on while you are just chilling. Now, real labor contractions, they begin with similar tightening where all of a sudden you kind of feel something tight, but they will almost always become longer, stronger, and closer together. Uh, The intensity for sure will change, but there are those rare occasions where longer, stronger, closer together doesn't necessarily exist. Um, Like mine, for example, with my third baby, it was so weird. And I think it's exactly at the same time what my body needed and what my body was created to do in that moment, like exactly what I needed. But my contractions, I don't believe were ever closer than six minutes apart, including during pushing, including before transition and or during transition. They just never got any closer than about six minutes apart. The intensity changed for sure, but the the duration and the distance didn't necessarily, it wasn't common for what I teach that like longer, stronger, closer together, which, you know, 90% of you are going to experience. Um, So, but just know that the intensity for sure will change and will be there. And again, real labor contractions follow a pattern. For example, they come every however many minutes, maybe it's seven minutes and they get increasingly intense during the contraction. So it's kind of this, think of like a Um, like a hill, like you go up the beginning of the hill and you can feel that intensity increase and then you hit this peak or crest where it's the most intense that that contraction is going to get and it gently brings you back down the other side of the hill until you reach the bottom and it lets go. So and then that can change with, as I'm talking about, longer, stronger, closer together. So that intensity would change. Um, likely that your your minutes are going to change. So they become, instead of seven minutes apart, now they're five minutes apart. And instead of lasting only 30 seconds long, now they're lasting 45, 50 seconds. And when we're in really active labor, you don't have to guess if these are Braxton Hicks or not because they are really strong. They're really close together. They last for at least a minute. Um, it's commanding kind of all of your attention. So that's that's how you know for sure. But um, earlier on, like those Braxton Braxton Hicks, for example, can come at random intervals. So it can be like that one was seven minutes. This one was three minutes. That one was two. I barely felt this one. I haven't had one for 30 minutes and now I have another one. That's more common of a Braxton Hicks. Some of that can be positional and that's conversation for a different podcast topic on posterior babies or baby positioning in general. But Um, if you're really not feeling too much intensity with them, you don't have pain, you don't have this like wrapping around sensation from the back to the front, 
um, then that is probably a Braxton Higgs. And just like I had just said, um, it's really common for labor contractions to start lower in the abdomen or kind of like lower back cramps. And then they begin wrapping around from the back to the front. Um, That is how I know, for example, as a doula, when I'm texting with my moms who are like, I'm trying to figure out if I'm in labor and what about this and what about this? And I'm like, well, explain your contractions to me. And then I give them a call and I want to hear them. We're just having a conversation, but I'm listening to how are they sounding during that conversation? Is the contraction taking their breath away? Are they having to stop the conversation with me to really focus? Or is it they're not stopping that conversation, but they're really having a hard time with it? Um, And then when they start describing, you know, it's changed from just kind of cramps down low to it's wrapping around to the front. I'm like, boom, you are in early labor. That's awesome. So those are those are some things to know. Um, but eventually, like I said, they're going to command your attention and it will end with a baby. So if you can't really figure it out, at some point you will. Again, I'll get into prodromal labor in a second. Here are some questions to ask yourself though. Number one, am I able to sleep through the contractions? Because if you are, whether they are real or Braxton Hicks, and it is your normal natural time that you should be sleeping at night in your bed you should absolutely be doing that. Same with if you're like, I take a nap in the afternoons because I'm pregnant and I'm tired. Don't get up and start moving around and get excited, which I know easier said than done. But if you can, at least lay down, rest, close your eyes. If you can fall asleep during them, um, then it's either really, really early labor or Braxton Hicks. Then ask yourself, do they increase in frequency and duration, Um, especially when I change my activity, including when I rest. So have you tried things like drinking water because dehydration can cause contractions? Have you tried eating, napping, taking a shower, taking a walk, going to Target, or whatever your favorite place to walk around in labor might be? Um, Taking a bath, taking a shower, laying down, does it still not change what's happening? So in other words, if you're doing those things, does it change the duration? Do they start to space out? Do they feel less intense? Or do they continue to get longer, stronger, closer together? Because that's a telltale sign of this being actual labor. Um, And then how much am I needing to focus and breathe to get through a contraction, if at all? So real contractions, eventually you're going to have to take a moment, close your eyes or focus on something, nice deep breaths, breathing into your abdomen to find some relief from what you are feeling, whether you want to call that pain or intensity or discomfort or what have you. And so if you are not doing those things, then perhaps it is just a Braxton Hicks. Funny story which I tell you guys a little too much, I think, about my personal experiences. But there is no such thing as TMI on this podcast because I just want you guys to feel normal with where you're at. I remember later in my pregnancy and I was working and the girls in the office had started going on walks. And so we were doing our lunchtime walk or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like something really intense is happening. And the lady that that, that was there with me, she had had children before. She was a little older. She was like, like, are you okay? Like, are you having contractions? Or I'm like, I don't know what is happening right now. Um, and it felt really intense and it kind of wasn't letting go. And we were walking and I'm like having some lower pains and I'm like something feels weird. I just want to get back to the office. Got back to the office, used the restroom. Turns out I just had to poop. So (laughs) if you ever experience anything like that, it's normal. Uh, Sometimes you just need to have a bowel movement. You're welcome. Okay. How do you know if and when it is time to contact your provider or head to your birthplace? So Based on contractions alone, we're looking for 311 or 411. And what this means is contractions that are three minutes apart. So 
if you're timing contractions, you start the timer at the start of a contraction and then you count that time from the start of one contraction to the start of the other. That means they are three minutes apart from the start of one to the start of the next. They are lasting for at least a minute long. So they it's not a 30-second contraction. You are having to breathe through and focus on and work through a one-minute long at a minimum contraction for at least an hour. So it's doing this pattern for at least an hour, three minutes apart, lasting for a full minute for at least an hour. Now, if you are a first-time mom, that's a really great one to go off of. If you are a second, third, fourth, fifth-time mom, maybe you're going to go off of 411 depending on when you want to get to your birthplace. Um, and that can be the same for a not first-time mom, which I'll talk about in a moment. But once you've done this prior, chances are things can move a little bit quicker with the the next subsequent pregnancies and labors. So 411 would be four minutes apart, lasting for a minute for at least an hour. Now, depending on how you choose to give birth, that duration and little setup might be completely different for you. For example, if you're a mom that wants to utilize an epidural a little earlier on in your labor game, then waiting till 311 or 411 might not be really comfortable for you and you may have wished that you would have had that epidural a little bit earlier. Also, if it's a 10-minute drive to your hospital versus an hour drive to your hospital, that's going to look a little bit different for you. If you are GBS positive and you choose to have the antibiotics and you want to have them that uh, you know the four hours prior and get that second dose, that is an option for you. So there's going to be different things that tell you when to go, what to do, all of that. So depending on how you choose to give birth, those durations and all that are going to look a little bit different. So it's really about knowing what you want to do for your pregnancy, for your birth experience, and then moving forward with that. But if you are trying to stay home a little bit longer and wait until you're a little bit closer to giving birth for when you get to the hospital to maybe avoid intervention or just avoid extra time at the hospital so that you're more comfortable, then those are the guidelines that we go off of. Okay, number four, is this prodromal labor or the real thing? Padromal labor is, it can be really tough for a lot of moms. I've experienced it myself with two of my pregnancies. It was not fun. Um, it's just as much of a mental game as it is a physical exhaustion that is happening. It can last for days or weeks or even a month or more. Ask my sister. That was really rough. I was with her for six weeks that she was in prodromal labor, and that's when I was with her. She actually had it longer prior to me getting there. Um, prodromal labor is real, true contractions. These are contractions that they, um, they're wrapping around back to front. They're uh, they're causing dilation. They are doing all kinds of things that need to happen for that baby to be born, but it doesn't end with a baby being born. So it can come on for hours at a time and then go away. It can be off and on for days and weeks and months uh, before it, it turns into that full-blown active labor that ends with the baby in your arms. Now, I said it's physically exhausting and it can leave mom really tired. That's completely real. It's true. Uh, you need to be aware of that. I think it's important to say it out loud so that if and when it happens, you don't feel crazy or like you're weak or uh, you weren't able to complete the task in the way that you wanted to or that you shouldn't be feeling just so crazy about what your body is doing. All of that is very normal. 
because you're having contractions that just keep going, because they're keeping you up during night, it's even more taxing. You're like, I'm running on a little bit of sleep. I have all of this work that my body is doing. I can't get in the right mental space. That's the other side of it. It's mentally exhausting. Um, and it's this constant like, is this the real thing? Is this going to be labor? And, you know, days or weeks of that is it's really taxing. So here's some questions to ask yourself. Am I able to sleep through the contractions? And hope like if your body gives you a break or these things um, space out maybe at night or maybe during the day enough that you can get an hour, two, three uh, hours of sleep, then it's probably not the real thing quite yet, even if your body is working up to it. Does anything I do to increase contractions such as clary sage oil or red raspberry leaf tea or walking or curb walking, maybe pressure points or intercourse, does anything like that cause them to become longer, stronger, and closer together? Or does it increase the contractions, the intensity, the closeness of them when you're doing these activities and then they get sporadic or spaced back out when you're done. Have I done any positional work that makes contractions better or worse for me? And I'll get into why I'm asking that question in a second. But have you done any positional work that makes them any better or any worse for you? And the last question, do I have proper support as I work through this difficult time? So I'm just going to tell everybody that's listening right now, make sure you have good support from your birth team, set that up prior to getting close to the end of your labor. It is not just for labor. It is for when we come up against things like this or big decisions that we weren't expecting. Like all of a sudden, 38 weeks, I have gestational diabetes and I've got to change up my birth plan a little bit. Um, or I have preeclampsia or something else pops up that is going to make this a little different than the birth I have planned. Do I have proper support for that? I think that's a great question for every mom to ask. Now, here's what you can do. I think that prodromal labor is something that needs to be um, considered as, as something that we need to be active about. However, I don't want you to feel bad if you do all the things and you still have prodromal labor and you don't have any control over it and it just ends up being what it is. But I want to give you the opportunity and the options to do what you can do to see if you can kind of click things into place because a lot of times it ends up being a positional thing with baby. And that just means that just imagine fitting a key into a keyhole. If it's upside down or it's tilted a little or it goes at a weird angle, it's not going to fit in there and be able to turn. And it's the same with your baby. That's my, it's probably not the best analogy, but that's the analogy I'm going to use right now. Um, fitting into that pelvis, they have this perfect position that's going to work so good for them. And sometimes they find themselves in a position that's a little too high or a little too twisted or a little to the left or to the right, you know, that is just not quite right. And it's triggering things to tell mom, hey, contraction time, something's going on down there. Let's try and push this baby a little bit lower. But that baby is not in a proper position to be able to do that. So then we get these awkward sporadic contractions that come and go that leave us tired and mentally exhausted called prodromal labor. So here's what you can do. Step one is preventative. This is what every mom listening right now that is not in labor can do starting from day one to the day you're going to give birth. Three exercises. I'm going to put the download in here. If you haven't heard me talk about these before, they are positional exercises, but they're also for comfort, general comfort. They're strengthening, they're toning in all the right ways. 
they're just simple three exercises. I don't want to make that sound like a workout by any means. It's not. It is very specific for preparing your body for labor and birth. But one of them specifically being that forward leaning inversion, that forward leaning inversion is to allow some ligaments to stretch and things, but it's also to get baby up and out of the birth canal just enough. It's not something that'll flip a a baby breech or anything like that, but it gets them out of the birth canal just enough to give them a little bit of space to readjust their head and their body. So those three exercises are going to be huge. You can start doing those now. Good body mechanics. If you can, don't be sitting in a chair. Don't be sitting at a desk um, in a, a regular chair. When you are sitting on the couch watching TV, don't be leaned back, you know, just relaxed back. I want you to think of things that are going to keep your pelvis and your spine in this like great alignment. And so one of the best things that you can do if you're watching TV or you're sitting at a desk or whatever, and I'm not telling you don't chill, don't relax or anything like that. And it's just good advice. Take what you like, leave the rest. But use a birth ball or an exercise ball because it's going to force you to engage your core. It's going to force you to be in a better position. Um, It should be the right height so that your knees are the same height with the top of your thighs. I know that's an issue for me because I am tiny. (laughs) So your desk might have to be lower. Your ball might have to be smaller. Uh, But do what you can to use good body mechanics. Same thing when you are getting in and out of a car, getting in and out of bed, move your legs together before you make the movement, that kind of stuff. And then you can add things like yoga or other stretching poses, breathing, that kind of stuff. So step one is preventative. Step two is going to be during what is happening if you are having prodromal labor. That's going to be things like the sideline release, which of course we have that within the birth course. If you guys haven't checked out the birth course, just go check it out. It's myessentialbirth.com. In fact, if you do myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started, it walks you through exactly what's included with each class, each section, so you know exactly what you're getting. But sideline release is something that we teach in there and is really excellent for position. You can do it both sides of your body, sideline release. Another thing is rebozo sifting. Same thing. We teach it in the birth course, but basically say that your hands and knees, you're going to use a rebozo, which is just a woven wrap, or you can use a sheet or a long towel, something that'll fit from the top of your abdomen all the way to underneath, right above your pubic bone. Um, And while you're in this hands and knees, you'll have to use your birth partner or someone who can support you, and they will grab either side of the towel above you and kind of do a shaking motion. It's not just the sifting of the apples, as we call it, that can be really useful, though. There's a couple other techniques um, such as like pulling on the lower abdomen towards the th- your, the front of your head while you're in that um, hands and knees because it can kind of help that baby again, give them a little space within the pelvic area. There's a couple other techniques that you can use with it, but rebozo sifting can be excellent. Um, things like spinning babies. I always send moms to the mile circuit in spinning babies. They also have other things on their website and I'll make sure to include that on the show notes. Uh, but this can be a great resource when you are in prodromal labor because again, it's positional and helping your body get into a good position, allowing baby to get into a good position. And then the forward leaning inversion again. So Generally, we say do the forward leaning inversion just once a day for three breaths every day of your pregnancy. Not a big deal, right? Prodromal labor, you can do that same thing and you can do the forward leaning inversion a couple times a day if you would like for a couple of breaths. So back to when do I contact my provider or head into my birthplace? So if you are experiencing prodromal labor and you're wondering, okay, fine, I've got this 
stuff. It's going back and forth. Like, how do I know what's happening inside? How do I know when it's going to kick in? If I have a ton of prodromal labor, is my labor going to go quickly? Which it actually can. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will, but it, it has the potential to do that. So if you've got some of those questions and you're wondering, when do I head in? Uh, it's when you find that you need some rest. So in other words, you're like, I am not sleeping. I'm going crazy. I need some support, whether that looks like um, things are really active. You are definitely past that 36 week mark. You're looking for an epidural or some other kind of, um, potentially like medication or something to slow the contractions or something like that, where you find you need medical support, you head into your provider or contact your provider and head into your birthplace. If you're concerned at all about you or your baby, um, whether that's movement or your exhaustion or anything, and you just want to get things checked out, um, or you want to get things checked out and you're looking for support, contact your provider, head into your birthplace. And overall, when you need some support, that's what that birth team is there for. So if any of that is, if you're experiencing any of that, and then obviously all of those like emergent things that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, any trickle of blood, things coming out of the vagina, um, any foul smelling, whatever, all of that's going to go along with that for the prodromal labor. I think overall, like I said, I think labor is the most exciting time of the entire pregnancy process. It's my very favorite. It's when I get most excited to uh, be a part of that whole process. And I think it's because I have work to do and I love working with my body and working with my baby. And in my case, I truly believe I'm working with my creator to bring these babies earth side and into my family, into my home. And I've had really neat spiritual and physical and mental experiences during labor that I for sure have not been able to experience anywhere else. And so there is something beautiful and magical and wonderful that comes with labor. And along with that, there's the challenging and the stretching and the everything in between. And so I want you to know as I'm, you know, giving you all this information and stuff that it's okay. I hope what you're getting from this, <laughs> from this whole episode, like it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have questions that you don't have the answers to. It's okay to have questions that might seem dumb if you were to ask somebody about them. Like, all there's no wrong questions, bad questions, shameful questions. I hope I shared enough with you to show a little bit <laughs> some shameful things that hopefully are not shameful. Um, but it's okay to have all the questions and to feel all the feelings. And I just want to tell you guys too, I hope I'm relatable enough that when you listen to me, you realize I am just another mom that is trying to help other moms do their thing. And so if you do have questions, you have things you want me to cover, or you're like, hey, this is kind of embarrassing, but I promise you there's no such thing as too embarrassing. You can DM me on Instagram or you can shoot me an email at hello at myessentialbirth.com. I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. I hope at some point you do join me in the birth course, um, that you do download the three free exercises, if nothing else. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.